Welcome to Grief and Gratitude, a podcast by Coffee and Grief. We're so happy that you're here with us today. We're a mom-daughter team who talks about grief. Grief is transformative. You don't just need to stay stuck in the hard parts. Grief is one of life's certainties. It allows us to be connected to each other's humanities. We always like to say, if you're here in the early stages of grief, we're here to say it's hard. We're here to say, be kind to yourself and thank yourself for showing up, for being curious about what grief can look like and all its wholeness. Today, we have Kelly Wilson joining us. She has read on some of our previous coffee talks. Uh, the coffee talks are the first Thursday of every month. And if you want to join us in the future, you can find that on Facebook. So let us welcome Miss Kelly today. Hi, Kelly. To Hello. Get... Hi. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, it's, we're delighted. So for all of you listening to the fabulous Kelly, I'm going to share her bio with you. And then she's going to read a, a short piece that she's prepared. So Kelly Wilson entertains and inspires with stories of humor, healing, and hope. She's a mom, an award-winning author, a comedian, a speaker, and a trauma recovery coach. Her, her books are Don't Punch People in the Junk, The Art of Seduction, and Caskets from Costco. She is the co-founder of PTSD Parent Podcast, covering all things post-traumatic stress disorder, and she teaches comedy with mental health at the mic. She likes her coffee like she likes her men, strong and long-lasting. Find out more about Kelly at wilsonwrites.com. Before you read, do you want to tell us a little more about what it means to be a trauma recovery coach? Um, <clears throat> a trauma recovery coach, the easiest way to describe what I do is like therapy, but we don't diagnose and we don't prescribe medication. But as far as like the work of somatic or talk therapy, that's, that's most of what we do. Just helping people on the journey, like through digging through all of the trauma that they've been through, wherever they at, wherever they're at and wherever they want to go, because we believe that the, where they need to go and how to heal that trauma is within them. And how, how, how is it different from like traditional talk therapy? Traditional talk therapy. Um, I mean, of course it's like not all therapists, but, um, a lot of it, it can be based on what the therapist thinks that you need or the best course. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Um, it just might not work for some people. So we're trained in trauma recovery coaching to lead from behind, which is to really follow what um, our clients <clears throat> need, listen to what they say, and then fill in those gaps of information that they don't have, our wisdom, our experience, our knowledge, um, exercises that they need, different things that will help based on what they are telling us. So. That's awesome. Thank you. There's some more. Okay. We've got some more questions, but we'd love to hear what it is. We always have questions. We'd love to hear you read what it is you brought to share with us today. I can do that. 
Okay. Of course, I don't remember what this is called. Something about being broken. <laughs> because as you know, like messiness. Um, is good. Okay. I lingered in that twilight space between asleep and awake. The veil was thin in the space where I floated on my back, arms and legs out, muscles limp, eyes closed. The paradox of floating, learning to stay up by letting go, held suspended in a leap of faith. I rested here and heard a whisper right before my eyelids opened. Being broken isn't a bad thing. It's time to be broken. These months of pandemic and isolation remind me of when I birthed both of my boys, now in their teens. Born almost three years apart, their lives were both threatened. They both almost died. They were both premature. My oldest was born two and a half months early and my youngest was born two months early. <clears throat> With each birth, there were weeks of visiting the neonatal intensive care unit twice a day, hours of pumping, oceans of tears floating on no sleep, self-isolation in the weeks before and after they came home because they were fragile, susceptible. This self-isolation time reminds me especially of when my youngest was born, as it was this time of year that I was put on hospital bed rest 16 years ago. My womb had split open a fraction of an inch, pulled by scar tissue from the traumatic birth of my oldest, so my baby would occasionally and unpredictably sit on the cord that connected us. His heartbeat would slow down, slow down, slow down. My womb had sprung a leak and I was put on hospital bed rest where I spent 28 days, hooked up to machines monitoring his heartbeat, playing the odds because with a baby, every minute inside the womb matters, even a broken womb. He would sit on the cord that bound us and his heart would slow down and nurses would rush in and hook me up to oxygen and turn and roll me this way and that. And we would all silently chant, move, move, move. And he would turn and roll and his heartbeat would go back to normal right away. My heartbeat would take a good half hour to return to normal. His name was Noah. He could not float in a broken womb because there was no fluid left. Every day I would wake up and get dressed and brush my teeth and wash my face and think to myself, today I will not cry. Today I will go the whole day without crying. Within an hour, I would be in tears. I know better now to float on tears. About two thirds of the way through this 28 day stay in the hospital, the doctor on call came in to check on me. The doctors couldn't do anything except join in the waiting game, but someone checked on me every day. This doctor was George Clooney handsome, and I was glad he wasn't my regular doctor because I don't think I could take that kind of pressure having him look at my undercarriage every year, and a lot more when I was pregnant. I still remember what he said to me. If this doesn't break you, nothing will. He didn't know anything about me. The years of abuse and struggle and heartbreak and open wounds and scars of psychological trauma. I took his words to heart, the push I needed to get through the next days and weeks of bed rest and self-isolation, a life preserver to help me float. Recently, in the pearly gray of dawn, I heard, 
being broken isn't a bad thing. It's time to be broken. Early in the pandemic self-isolation, I planted seeds and seedlings, ground cover and stepping stones. I tilled and shoveled, dug and covered, roots and seeds and water and warmth from the sun. I didn't plant a thing until I had broken up the ground, violently and without apology, rototilling with giant tines, turning and moving and tearing and digging deeper and deeper, breaking up clumps of clay in my fists, letting the soil fall back to the earth, letting water and oxygen and nutrients flow in and around and down and out, creating space. I dug into the compost bin my partner made me for my birthday. He had said a few times, I don't think it's working. And I had not listened. I mean, I had successfully composted for many years. I had taken his comment personally, an old pattern of protection, a tattered life preserver that was no longer needed. After all, I don't control the earth or the rate of decomposition. I dug into the compost bin and sure enough, it had not been working. The leaves were dry, the kitchen scraps rotting, but no bugs or worms, no microbiome, just a dusty smell and coffee grounds and random scraps and leaves and all of it ready to transform, but not broken. I needed all of that to be broken, broken down in the heat and air, decomposing, reaching out and down into darkness. The process of breaking down is necessary for transformation. <clears throat> Being broken isn't a bad thing. It's time to be broken. I planted seeds in a starter pack, meticulously watering the pods until they broke open and puffed up and out. I carefully counted dried up kernels and flecks, assuming in appearance for possessing, unassuming in appearance for possessing hidden life in their centers. In this time of pandemic, I noted that a seed can also be called a germ. I hid each kernel and fleck in pods and planters, too many for each space because some will not grow will not break open and stretch and reach out and down, will not create space. Some seeds will break open. Most seeds will break open. They are made to break, to tear, to split, open, the art of transformation. Open to light and air and warmth, reaching down, stretching up and out, fragile roots and stems and leaves and buds and fruit, floating in a patch of broken soil. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you. That's beautiful. I love that. I love so many images and I love that at the end of the seeds breaking because it is what we have to do in order to grow. Yeah. <clears throat> and we forget that and resent it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's an important part of the process. Yeah, I've always... <laughs> I've always really appreciated that cycle of um, death to life. And I, I didn't grow up, like I grew up in the army. So we were always moving and living in apartments. Like I didn't know you could live in a house until I was like 25. <laughs> but we didn't grow anything. There was no space to grow anything. So when I was on my own and finally, you know, growing things, the cycles became very apparent to me and how um, some of who I call like garden mentors would teach me about how to put the garden to bed, which is essentially let everything die and decompose 
And then in the spring, you have all of this rich earth that you can use and will nurture the next bit of seeds. And to me, that was like monumental. It's miraculous. It is. It, it is. It's so true. I mean, it's what, you know, we, part of why we grew a garden when the kids were little, cause I wanted them to see you take this tiny seed and you can mm-hmm. get a sunflower that's bigger than all of us. Yes. Cause it's pretty mind boggling. It is. And then you can take um, seeds from that and start all over again. And then what's left behind can, can um, not nutrient the earth, feed the earth. <clears throat> yeah. I used to leave the big sunflower heads. I just left them because the birds came and ate them. Yeah. Right. Cause the first time I was like, we should like harvest those. I'm like, no, actually we are harvesting them by letting the birds eat them. Yeah. And oh. it's really fun. It's really fun to see all the birds come. I've seen bird fights in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they're in gangs like West side story. And they're like <laughs> snapping at each other and like, doing oh, Kelly's. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's oh, funny. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I know. Well, <laughs> so clearly, clearly grief is something that you have experienced. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And that you've, that you've thought about, talked about, talk about with others. Um, and, you know, it's so part of why we do what we do, because it's important to have that conversation. So um, one of my questions for you is just like, what would, um, what do you want to contribute to the grief conversation? I know it's a big question. I want to contribute hope in the form of forward movement. Um, is, you know, we don't talk about, obviously we don't talk about grief a whole lot in the mainstream. Um, and especially if you grow up like I did, you know, with, with people who um, don't function very well <clears throat> um, and are abusive. And so, you know, I was, I, I remained stuck for a long time. I think because I didn't know that I could move forward and that there were different ways to move forward. So I always want people to know that, you know, it might feel hopeless, but you don't have to stay here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's awesome. That's just such a good, such a good message. I know I'm like, so, you know, one of my questions without it, I don't always think we're in life school and sometimes we are. Um. (laughs) sometimes I think that like there will come a time oh man this belief shows up everywhere in my life there will come a time when I have learned all the life lessons (laughs) and then I'll be done (laughs) you'll be done with learning or done with life no not done with life like I just imagine what will I do like retire into a field like old horses like what do I think <laughs> will I have one will I get medals like I'm not sure like I've never finished that out but I really do believe like when I you know going through different parts of my trauma journey I'm like well I'll be done with this and of course you know it shows up yeah 
the abandonment trigger is forever. You're just more aware of it and you have more skills to deal with it. <laughs> yep. You get better and better and better at coping. But yeah, um, the life lessons, I think I'll graduate or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, so for people who are new to this, though, can you, would you give a, what are a couple of nuggets you'd give of like things that you've learned from going through the hard things? <clears throat> um. A couple nuggets I've learned from going through the hard things. Oh, one really important thing is never give up. And they, they teach that a lot. Um, I've done a lot of PTSD groups um, as a participant. And now I've trained to be a facilitator. So that's very exciting. But especially in seeking safety, they teach about, you know, never, 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 never give up. And because there are definitely um, times where I wanted to, and I know trauma survivors do, because it's the kind of pain is, is very difficult and it's not validated in our culture because we have a, a big victim blaming culture. Um, and there's it, sometimes it can be really difficult to access affordable help and the right kind of help. Um, so partly to validate, you will want to give up sometimes, but don't. Like whatever you have to do to be here, do it, you know? So that's, that's probably the biggest thing. That's and huge. yeah. Um, <clears throat> because we don't, it's just a very real, it's just a very real experience to, to want to throw in the towel and be like, you know, if this is the way that it's going to be, then forget it, you know, and that can be really hard when, when really the last time I had about of when I struggled like that during the pandemic, actually, um, it was due to premenopausal hormonal changes. So, you know, it could be as just basic as physiological changes. Yeah. And you can get what you need to treat that. And then your whole outlook is different, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in it, man. Um, as a trauma recovery coach, what are some things that you say to the people you work with? Like if you just had a generalization. Um, you are in charge of your own healing. Um, that's a big one because trauma survivors have had so much taken from them and it is revolutionary to have somebody tell you you're in charge of this. Um, and it's really freeing. And I've seen so much relief on people's faces, just saying that out loud to them, you know, remember you are in charge of this process. Um, and then another one, oh no, it went away in my menopausal brain. It'll come back. It's fine. It'll come back. <laughs> It was really important. 
Um, the other, another thing is to practice curiosity, um, curiosity and compassion. If you can put those two things together, those are two of the most valuable skills uh, for anybody, trauma survivor or not, because we, you know, I think the bulk of us are raised, at least in America, with, you know, pull up your bootstraps and put your chin up and just go for it. Um, and that there's a lot of judgment in there and emotions don't respond well to judgment. So being curious about, oh, I feel this. What's that about? You know, and that allows, that just gives, it opens up space to just let it be. And then, you know, you don't have to deal with the consequences of suppression later, which can be really serious. So curiosity about it and then compassion for whatever you find in that, underneath that layer. <clears throat> we talk a lot about how um, culturally there's not, you know, room for grief or talk about grief or anything like that. And it seems to be a theme today too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, you know, America has the like, stuff it in the closet. Um, don't talk about it. Pull yourself up. It's just going to pass. It's just going to pass. Like time, it's going to be magic and it's going to pass. Yeah. Yeah. And I was even thinking with your piece with the gardening, like kids don't know where vegetables come from. A lot mm. of them, like it's not something that is culturally taught that there are seasons and growing and dying and all these things. So well, is. and you know, like, you know, what really makes me mad anymore is grass. We have so much grass and for what? <laughs> we could like grow things in that, in the, in that land. And we're just like, no, we have to have grass and it has to look good. It's got to look good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on a personal mission to eventually get rid of grass in my front and backyard. Yeah, I'm with you. Like it is like, there's so much of it and, and I don't think people even stop and think about why they have it, right? right. Like they're landscaping their yard. It looks pretty, right? right? And it takes a lot to do that as opposed to you could be growing things or letting mm. it have be wild. Right. Having yeah. native plants. Having native plants. Especially for us dandelions, like I just read something recently about how valuable dandelions are. And I just didn't even know. Yeah. Now, you know, now I know <laughs> just let them be, just, just let them be. Oh, you want to ask that? We just got sidetracked. On I it's okay. Cool. That's what we do. We get sidetracked. That's uh, half the of fun course. going yeah, down course. the paths. What are you going to find when you go down that path? That's right. Uh, when people come to work with you, what can they expect from being a client of yours? Um, a lot of questions. I am curious by nature and that has served me very well in this line of work. I want to know a lot of things um, and you know, questions lead to more questions. Um, they can expect a lot of validation and a lot of compassion um, because I believe number one, those two things are, are really, um, they're not really available uh, in a lot of places in our culture. 
especially if you're in a trauma, if you're a trauma survivor and um, healing happens in relationship. So if you never have a relationship where you experience things like compassion and validation, you know, what, what's your reference point for giving those things to yourself? It's easy to say, love yourself, but you know, what does that even look like? Unless you have other people and animals, I think, to practice that with. Are are your sessions usually like in person, one-on-one, on on Zoom, all of the above? All of the above. I just started this thing um, because I want a lot of practice. Uh, One of the people that I looked up, look up to wrote about how she has conversations and she can help change a life in 15 minutes just by asking questions, you know, doing what she does. And I was like, I want to do that. And the way to do that is to get really good. And how do you get really good? You practice a lot. So I started um, this little thing called coaching for tips. And you sign up for like, for an appointment that is 23 minutes long. And if we don't need that long, that's totally fine. Um, And you pay what you want at the end, like leave a tip. Um, And they've, they've been really fun because, you know, people don't, people don't know what I do. People don't know what a trauma recovery coach is. It's new. The association that trains us is new. It's about four years old. It's run by therapists. Um, So that's good, but people don't really know what we do. So it's good to get the word out in that way as well. And, you know, people don't always need to dig into this deep stuff right away. You know, I'm a stranger. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you my deepest secrets. (laughs) But, you know, if you have a couple of of short appointments and we make progress, then maybe people will want to move on. And if not, I still get practice and it is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, so how can people find you? How can they connect with you? Um, I, I love social media. I know. Don't we all? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was going to say it's a problem. It's not, (laughs) it's not you. It was, it was a problem and you've got a solution now. Um, they can find me at my website, which is map your healing com and then I'm on Facebook and Instagram um, a lot and then I'm on Twitter under PTSD parent but I don't get I've I've been on Twitter for 12 years I still don't understand how it works <laughs> I'm with you somebody just told me recently they'll go find me on Twitter and I was like okay I, okay good luck you want to <laughs> Oh, and LinkedIn. I've been having a lot of fun with LinkedIn lately, just looking around and getting to know people. So yeah. All right. I do. I I so admire what you do and how you just keep learning and growing as a human and then helping other humans to learn and grow. Um, It's a beautiful thing. I, so I'm such a believer and that's a big reason we're all here and you really, you really bring, you really bring heart and love to the party. And for that, I say, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
You gave me goosebumps. <laughs> oh, do you have any other questions like the pop up? You know, we talk about the things ahead of time and then invariably like something comes to you, mm -hmm. you know? I think you gave us a really good flavor of, um, I learned more about what you do than I knew before. And, um, you know, we're all for it and all for supporting you and promoting you. Oh, I do have a question. Yes. See, they come to me. Do you awesome. think there are humans who don't have trauma or is it a universal thing? <laughs> Apparently there are humans who are raised in healthy families who are like legit well-adjusted. Um, I just found that out not too long ago. I was like, what? Um, Renee Brown says nobody rides for free. Yeah. So whenever I think, oh, there are these people out there who don't have to struggle and who don't have to deal with any of this and, um, those kinds of thoughts, you know, comparative thoughts, I remember Brene Brown, I remember nobody rides for free. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. I think, you know, yeah, it is. And when people are getting, are having more struggles and getting hung up with it, thank goodness there are people like you who can help them. Thank you. Yeah. That's all, all right. I got now. That, no, that was a good, like, that was a good big, that was a good big question. I think about, you know, like, there's so many things about being human. So like in how people process information differently, mm -hmm. right? the thing that can be a learning problem for someone, someone else can have that same way of processing. And, and because it doesn't get in their way and it doesn't become a problem when they're in school, it's not seen as a learning problem, mm -hmm. right? But they might have that very same way of processing. And I wonder like, you know, everybody has, has trauma. That's part of being human. Yeah. Um, but if you have more, more tools, it's probably more manageable. And if not, you, there are places to go learn those tools. Yes, definitely. Coaching for tips. Coaching for tips. All right. Well, gosh, it's been so nice to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love it. Yeah. It's our pleasure. It, I learn something new all the time and I definitely learn from you too. And I really appreciate that. So what we've been doing um, on these podcasts, because we're also all about the writing and writing about grief and writing your way through grief um, is offering just a really simple prompt near the end here. And so for today, our offering, my question is, if your grief were a type of weather, what would it be? And then Ooh. we all, <laughs> Kelly's like, I'm gonna go write about that. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, and then today, we always do the today I am. Um, and fill in the blank. So, so, yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we just like to remind people that we do have our coffee talks the first Thursday of every month. You can find out that information on Facebook, um, connect with us, Facebook, uh, email coffee and grief at gmail.com is our email. If you have any questions, want to talk to us, if you want to come on the podcast, We'd like to hear you there get a hold of us there 
Yeah, and on Facebook, we're um, coffee and grief. Coffee and grief. <laughs> coffee and grief. Coffee and, coffee and grief everywhere. We are coffee and grief everywhere. <laughs> so, in closing, we always we always want to say: be good to yourself. Be good to your heart. Drink lots of water. Do something kind for yourself. And if you have the bandwidth, do something kind for another. Come back. Come back. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.